to Architecting. I'm your host, Angela Mazzi. You made it. This is the landing pad for raw honesty about connecting your career with your purpose. I'm going to give you the tools you need to be an unapologetic advocate for yourself and others, because if you're here, you believe that the space we surround ourselves in matters and you're committed to project by project building a better world for all of us. If you're with me, let's get architecting. Hey, Bright Lights, it's Angela. So, so excited to have you with me today. We are in the home stretch of 2023. It's been a wild ride this year. Let's finish strong. I've got a great question today from our audience that I think is going to resonate with all of you. Dirk writes in and says, Why is it so hard to delegate? I am newly in a project manager role, but find that my team is often set in their ways. They're not complying with things like standards or templates in our office. Trying to get people to collaborate can be difficult, and I'm meeting a lot of resistance. Please help. Dirk, I have got you covered. I am so glad you asked this question. This is something that I personally have had to do a lot of work and still am doing a lot of work around. It is actually a very, very, very common problem people have in the workplace, especially in the architecture profession, but you see it in a lot of other creative professions too. You've heard me talk about the systemic codependency. So we're taught that we need to people please in order to survive and that our work is only as good as how well received it is and that we need to make sure people are happy with us. And by people, it could be the client, certainly, because we need to keep the doors open, pay the bills but it can be our boss, it can be other people in the industry. We're constantly caught in these traps where anytime there is conflict, we feel like it's our fault. That somehow, some way, we should have seen it coming, we should have preempted it, we should have had better skill sets, and we don't let other people own their stuff, we take it on. Another thing that plays into this that's also part of codependency is the need to control perfectionism. If you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. If you feel responsible for everything, then you want to control everything because the outcomes must be a reflection of you. Therefore, you can't give anyone too long of a leash because if they cause problems, that's going to be more work for you. And I've seen this happen time and again in my own workplace, but also hearing from colleagues, from people that I've coached. I had to stay up really late in order to pull this together. What do you mean? If you are delegating, nobody is working crazy hours because you are pacing yourself, because you have reasonable amounts of work to do, You have assessed the skill set of the people around you. You know what time availability they have. And that is the art of managing. 
being able to give the right tasks to the right people, to communicate clearly with them about the expectations for those tasks, to hook them up with the resources they need to do the job so they're not wasting time spinning, to give them psychological safety so that they feel comfortable reaching out because remember, you're not the only one who's got the codependency gene here and the perfectionist tendencies. The people you delegate to have this same control issue. And so often they can overthink things, they can overproduce, they may be going down the wrong path, but because they aren't communicating back and asking questions, we have a problem. So that is really the art of management is to be able to not only pair people with the right tasks for the amount of time they have, for the skill set they have, but also to stretch them a little bit out of their comfort zone, to give them the resources they need and the psychological safety to use those resources. The biggest resource we have is our mouth, is our ability to ask for help, to ask questions, to get clarification. To get specifically into delegation, let's break this down just a little bit. Why is delegation important? Well, first of all, if you are a manager, it is not your job to do the job. It is your job to be the conductor of the orchestra. You cannot be doing that if you are the one checking the boxes on the to-do list. So this is where delegation comes in, especially as you grow in your management skills and you get on larger projects with bigger teams. This becomes more and more critical to keep all the pieces moving because it's a lot easier to conduct a string quartet than it is a symphony. But the same skills go into doing both. Specifically, delegating means transferring responsibility, i.e. giving up control. I know, I know, that's scary, but so critically important because then we can collectively do more in less time and we can be more in our own zones of genius, which you know I talk about that. You're not meant to be good at everything and you shouldn't waste your time and your energy on things that aren't a real match with what you love to do. Find the time by delegating to do more of what you really love so that you can excel and you can make the difference you were meant to make. Why is it so hard to do? Why is it so hard to do? Well, we got to let go of that need to be responsible. Does that mean that we sit back and watch a project turn into a dumpster fire and just kind of walk away and say it wasn't me? No. It does mean, though, that we give the people we delegate to a safe space to fail. So we're checking in with them more often so that they can have that experience of the presentation to a client that didn't go well, of hearing that they got off on the wrong track, of having to adjust to criticism without it being a catastrophic, epic kind of fail. 
And the, the other thing that's important is if you have been doing a job and you're good at it, you have a way that you do it. When we delegate, no one is going to do it the way you do it. Therefore, you have to resist the need to micromanage, which is essentially treating your talented staff as if they are kindergartners and that they need you hovering over them. You wouldn't like it if someone did that to you. Don't do it to your staff. Give them that creative freedom. That said, it's freedom with limits because again, we want that safe space to fail. If they are not meeting a micro deadline that you put in place, that's when you need to sit down and say, what happened? What do we need to change? What would you suggest in order to do better? Again, transferring that accountability to them, not making it a system of rewards and punishments, but more something went wrong here. What do you think it was and how do you think you could fix it? Then you can play more of a mentoring role and guiding them to the right solution strategy. So if they have an idea about what would fix it, but it needs a few tweaks, you're there to provide that support, but they have ownership and accountability over the solution strategy. That takes time, but it's time that you will have if you are not doing all the work. There's real value there. And as you work with a team more and more and you build more and more trust with them and they start to gel together, you will start to move into high performance mode and people will just know what to take on. They will have each other's backs. Over time, it will be less about coming up with solution strategies for problems and more about how you can spur your team on to greatness, help them grow and evolve their skill sets and move into roles that they really want to take on. And I always say to ask the question, who else can do this? Even if you think you can do something, resist the urge to take it on. A lot of times when we get into a management role, we think that we won't have street cred with our team if we're not right there in the trenches doing the same work right alongside them. But that's not managing. That's not delegating. Delegating is true transfer of responsibility. And while it might feel weird to say, why am I looking to give away all of my workload? Trust me, you will find things to fill that gap. There will be things that come up, fires that come up on the project, client management issues that you have to deal with, team dynamic issues that you have to deal with. And there is nothing wrong with having extra time to grow your own skill sets in your area of expertise skills as a manager, learning more about some issues in the industry, helping the firm have a different strategy or business management outlook. So there is plenty for you to do without getting in the weeds. Always, always ask yourself that question, who else can do this? Even if the answer is, this person sort of could, but they're not quite ready, set them up, give them some training wheels, and maybe you do it alongside with them the first time. 
but you are doing it with the goal that the next time this same task comes up, you will not be the one who does it. As far as people following the rules, it's important when we delegate that we, first of all, set that tone at the start of the project. You're not at the start, that's okay. It's never too late to have that come to Jesus meeting and say, we want to be the best team we can, and I am here to support you. Let's talk about how we can have the right people in the right roles doing the right work at the right quality in the right time frame. And some of that does include following standards. When we are in a creative profession, nobody wants to follow standards because everybody likes the way they do it. They all have some criticism over what the PowerPoint template is or why we're even using PowerPoint and they go use a different software or different font or different page layout or they're used to the way they did it at a different firm or the way they did it before maybe your firm changed its standards and they're stressed out and they're busy and they don't have quote unquote the time to do it a different way. So they're just doing what they know because it's fast. It's your job in the case where your team isn't following the rules to one, have empathy for what is really behind their need for departure, but also to remind them that just like we form habits in our brain, right? We take all kinds of shortcuts. When you say, I'm going to drive to work, you say it as if it were just one thing you were doing. And we all know that if someone were to sit in the car with you and write down every single thing you did in the process of driving, just to operate the car would be like 20 plus steps let alone navigating the vehicle, dealing with unexpected road conditions, parking, etc. right? Driving to work is not one step, but we've turned it into that in the way we think of it. And it is the same thing with all of these standards. You may or may not like them, but it takes valuable creative energy that could be put to far better use to just adopt them and put the creativity into the project. If they're more technical standards or procedural standards, sure, it takes time to learn a different way, but that different way is part of a quality control. So you will have fewer issues later because you did things this way. If you talk to your team about this as sort of an energy transfer, because we don't need our energy to be in the things that could be the habit. So setting up sheets, knowing what standard details to use, using templates, all of that, that's the drive to work kind of stuff. We don't want to put our time and our energy there. So we're going to use the best practices that are set up for us. And when we want to have creative energy, when we have questions, when we have innovation opportunities, we're going to make it about the design and about what we're doing as a team, not about reinventing the wheel. So that is another way to deal with that challenge, which absolutely happens with creative people. We want to make everything. We want to do it all ourselves. Also remember that you are modeling for your team. 
a project manager who's invested in the team, who cares about well-being, who's willing to work with the individual members of the team on personal development, who's there to hear about challenges, who's there to coach the team through opportunities, or to point them towards resources that maybe you can't provide, but the firm could provide, or an outside mentor or other resource could provide. That kind of a manager has got the most foundational thing possible on a team going on. This is the key to success, and it is trust. When your team trusts you and they trust one another, they're giving 110%. They're working together, and the many is stronger than the one. You'll start to see as this happens that you get more work done better, faster, that you don't need to work crazy amounts of overtime, that you can check that overproduction tendency when you see it rise up, that you can quickly refocus things back on track, that you can start to model for your team healthy work practices that respect work-life integration that give everybody a chance to rest and recharge, that understand that working hard is not the same thing as working effectively. Especially in our industry, that modeling of a different way to practice is so critical. Dirk, I hope that these strategies helped you better work with your team Congratulations on your new role. I think you're really going to start to see results. So keep in touch. Let us know what changes you see as you start doing this. And for everyone, I want to remind you that I do private coaching. And to start off, all we do is have a free half hour conversation because you and I may or may not be the right fit. So I always like to start off with just a call to say, why do you want coaching? What do you hope to get out of coaching? And if we decide we want to work together, then you invest. It starts with that call, which you can schedule if you go to my website, architectingpodcast.com. You will see programs, and that is where you can find the link. It's a 90-day program. We meet for an hour every two weeks. So you get a total of six sessions with me. You get a whole success chart. So every time we meet, I'm tracking things that you want to do. I'm showing you how the work you're doing is helping you get more clarity, helping you set goals, helping you to implement things. We talk about success strategies. We talk about celebrating the wins. We talk about putting new practices in place. And I guarantee you, you will have a transformation. And it doesn't matter where you are in your career path either. I've worked with people early in their career path, mid-career, and even established partners at firms who are getting towards the end of the mid-career stage who just want to tune up. Go ahead and check out that link at architectingpodcast.com. You will be able to schedule your sessions and start 2024 with this already done to best position yourself for success. 
All right, everyone, have the best day. Remember to refer this podcast to a friend if you think what you heard is helpful. Like, rate, and review it, and we will see you next time. Love you much. you for listening. You made it all the way to the end of the episode, which means you are committed to making yourself a priority so you can be empowered to do the work you were called to do in the world. How amazing is that? If you would like even more content just like this, please remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. I would so appreciate it if you left an honest review too. Hey, I want you to know I'm here for you beyond the boundaries of this podcast. You can follow me on social media at Architecting Podcast or visit architectingpodcast.com to download some great free resources. Take care, everyone, and stay inspired.